It's Wednesday, February 9th, 2022, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with Adrian Bluss for your Daily News Roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, hacks in the world of code is law, the latest headlines, and more. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin was higher for a fourth straight day, extending a gradual climb that pushed the largest cryptocurrency's price over $44,000 from as low as $32,900 just a few weeks ago. Quote, the trend is relatively stable, but whether it can be maintained is uncertain, a co-founder of the crypto exchange owner Huobi Group said in an email. They continued, in the short term, focus on the direction of price adjustment and the pressure level of $45,500 and above, end quote. The recent gains have narrowed Bitcoin's losses to date in 2021 to 4%. That's a smaller deficit than the 5.1% year-to-date loss for the S&P 500 index. For most of the year, Bitcoin's returns have trailed the stock market, so the reversal could draw eyeballs from investors who monitor these track records. Meanwhile, analysts at Bank of America, the second-largest U.S. bank, published a report finding that Bitcoin has increasingly traded in sync with stocks over the past six months. And despite the high volatility of Bitcoin, quote, individuals living in inflationary environments may view Bitcoin as an inflation hedge according to the report. Meanwhile, blockchain data shows that Bitcoin miners, after collectively accumulating holdings through most of the January sell-off across crypto markets, finally started to dispose of some positions over the past weekend. Elsewhere, developers behind popular meme coin Shiba Inu said the protocol would soon offer plots of virtual land in an upcoming yet unnamed metaverse, causing prices of ecosystem tokens like Shiba and Leash to jump by as much as 40%. So there's that. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk's markets analysts, Dominic Dantes and Amkar Godbelay. Bitcoin is currently trading at $43,930. That's up a little bit over half a percent in the last 24 hours. While Ether is trading at $3,177. That's up 2.6% in the same time period, according to the Coindesk Price Index. In traditional markets, U.S. stock futures rose and government bond yields fell following a recent climb, potentially easing some pressure on technology stocks. Futures for the S&P 500 added 7 tenths of 1% this morning, looking to build on yesterday's modest gains. Contracts for the tech-focused Nasdaq 100 gained just under one percentage point, and futures for the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose by half a point. Overseas, Europe's stock 600 index added 1.4% in morning trading, though it remained more than 3% lower for the year so far. Technology stocks, which can be sensitive to interest rate expectations because of high valuations, climbed by 2.6%. In London, the FTSE 100 rose by just over half a point, and Germany's DAX added 1.4%. In Asia, major stock indexes closed with gains. Hong Kong's Hang Seng jumped by 2.1%, and Japan's Nikkei 225 added 1.1%. China's Shanghai Composite and South Korea's Kospi each gained eight-tenths of 1%. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from the Wall Street Journal and the FT. Stay tuned. After the break, we'll be back with a few quick headlines we're tracking today with links to the full articles in the show notes for this episode as always. Then after the headlines, we'll talk black hats and white hats in the realm of code is law. We'll be right back. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Turning to big picture news, the U.S. trade deficit surged to a record high in 2021 as imports increased sharply amid the restocking of shelves by businesses to meet robust domestic demand. With companies eager to rebuild depleted inventories against the backdrop of stretched global supply chains, the deficit is unlikely to shrink much this year, cutting into economic growth. But let's take a look at some numbers. The trade deficit increased by 27% last year to an all-time high of $859 billion, 
It was at $676 billion back in 2020. This year, the trade gap represented 3.7% of official gross domestic product, up from 3.2% in 2020. The deficit subtracted 1.39% from GDP growth last year. And the economy grew, assuming official rates of inflation aren't undermeasuring the true rate by 5.7% in 2021. That's the most since 1984, according to official statistics. That growth came after the government provided nearly $6 trillion in what is commonly described as pandemic relief, a portion of which fueled consumer spending on goods. Reuters has more details on that one in the show notes. And in another story from Reuters that might be worth watching, as the Bank of Canada prepares to shrink its bloated balance sheet, investors say the move could enable expected interest rate hikes to have far more reaching impact on economic activity than previously expected. Canada's central bank, unlike the U.S. Federal Reserve, has never previously attempted to shrink its balance sheet, a process known in Beltway speak as quantitative tightening. So the Canadian Central Bank, having monetized or purchased government debt on a large scale for the first time during the pandemic, now finds that it owns $330 billion U.S. dollars worth, or 42% of the debt market, eclipsing the massive 28% slice of the U.S. market held by the Fed. The Bank of Canada is currently in the reinvestment phase of its asset purchase program, which means it's continuing to buy about $1 billion Canadian of its government's debt per week. Analysts say the bank could announce a shift to reducing its debt holdings, which would likely not be by selling, but by decreasing or stopping the purchase of new government debt to replace old debt as it matures. Market watchers say that could be as soon as March 2nd, when a policy announcement is expected to hike interest rates, or at the following meeting in April. Reuters has more on that one in the show notes. And just a quick note, this is a dangerous game. We don't know if we're at the end, the middle, or the end of the beginning in what is an unprecedented global monetary experiment. But it's one of the most important stories in our world today, and it's one we'll be watching. Turning to international news, Brazilian asset manager QR Capital's Decentralized Finance or DeFi Exchange Traded Fund, or ETF, started trading on the Brazilian stock exchange, known as B3, on Tuesday. Under the ticker QDFI11, the DeFi ETF follows the Bloomberg Galaxy DeFi Index, a modified market cap-weighted benchmark tracking the largest decentralized finance protocols and applications. That includes Uniswap, Aave, MakerDAO, Compound, Yearn.Finance, SushiSwap, OX, Synthetics, and Curve. This is the first DeFi ETF to be listed on the Brazilian exchange, where it traded at an initial price of 10 Brazilian reals. The product is open to the public and has a management fee of just under 1% per year, Coindesk's Andreas Angler reports. And I know what you're thinking, but don't worry. The Central Bank of Ireland is, quote, highly unlikely, end quote, to allow retail investors to be exposed to crypto assets, it said in a report published on Tuesday. The Central Bank cited, quote, the specific risks attached to crypto assets and the possibility that appropriate risk assessment could be difficult for retail investors without a high degree of expertise, end quote. Coindesk's Eliza Gertzi has that one as well. Turning to industry news, in the end of a very long and interesting saga, federal officials seized some $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin tied to the 2016 hack of the crypto exchange Bitfinex. Agents arrested two individuals in New York on Tuesday on charges they conspired to launder proceeds from the Bitfinex hack in 2016. The married couple known as Dutch Liechtenstein and Heather Morgan appeared in court at 3 p.m. Eastern Time yesterday, according to the U.S. Department of Justice press release. Some 120,000 Bitcoin were stolen back during the 2016 hack, then worth around $60 billion, and representing nearly one-sixth of the total trading volume at the time. At today's prices, the total amount of Bitcoin stolen is valued at $4.5 billion, but the U.S. Department of Justice only seized some 94,000 Bitcoin, valued at a mere $3.6 billion. The DOJ release alleges the two conspired to launder the proceeds and heavily implies but does not claim that they were the original hackers. In a statement, Bitfinex said it would work with the DOJ to try and recover the seized Bitcoin. 
If it does, it will repay investors holding tokens tied to the recovery that were issued at the time. There's a really interesting story to tell here about how Bitfinex handled what should have been an existentially challenging moment, but it's a tale for another day. Meanwhile, Coinbase is backing a political action committee this election cycle. On Monday, the publicly traded crypto firm registered Coinbase Innovation Pack with the Federal Election Commission, sending a strong signal of its desire to sway federal officials during the 2022 midterm election cycle, and the crypto exchange is hardly alone. Other industry heavyweights formed their own pro-crypto pack late last month. The growing number of crypto packs speaks to an industry hungry for political influence and more than a little flush with cash. Shaken by last year's messy and still unresolved, although much has been promised, crypto tax debate, firms such as Coinbase ran up their largest ever lobbying bills in an effort to hold the line. Coinbase spent nearly three quarters of a million dollars lobbying the Senate during the fourth quarter alone, which is peanuts compared to other industries, but for the crypto space is pretty big. Coindesk's Danny Nelson reports. And in lighter news, here's our associate producer, Adrian Blost. Thank you, Adam. The Italian luxury car maker Alfa Romero has revealed it will be using non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, to track and store maintenance records on the blockchain for its new Tenali SUV. The integration by the famed Italian car brand is the most recent example of the growing trend of minting useful NFTs. Alfa Romero, which is owned by Stellantis, or formerly Fiat Chrysler, appears to be the first car maker to utilize NFTs in this way, seemingly in a bid to bring transparency and efficiency to a car market that often relies on third parties to track car records. Quote, digitalization is a key enabler of our metamorphosis, Francisco Calcara, head of marketing at Alfa Romero, said in a media briefing, continuing to say, the NFTs will sustain the residual values of our models as we are the first in the market to adopt this next generation technology, end quote. Coindesk's Eli Tan has the story. And this has me thinking of taking a broader look at NFTs. The Defiant believes there's a decoupling of NFTs and crypto, which spurs a debate about the future of the new asset class. Just a month into the new year, the crypto market is confronting a riddle. Why are NFTs soaring while digital assets plunge into a bear territory? NFTs and tokens have definitely decoupled. Monthly volume on OpenSea, the leading NFT marketplace, hit an all-time high of nearly $5 billion last week, and the floor price of the leading collection Board Ape Yacht Club jumped 50% in January, according to CoinGecko. NFT sales continue to make juicy headlines. On January 31st, a Board Ape Yacht Club NFT sold for $2.7 million. Meanwhile, Terra's Luna token, a one-time DeFi darling, has shed half of its value in the last 30 days. The crypto market as a whole lost a quarter of its capitalization in January. So what's going on? Are NFTs, as skeptics argue, a bubble that's just lagging in the crypto market's swoon? Or, as enthusiasts contend, are NFTs a new pop culture staple supported by the sustainable demand? The latter idea has taken root as NFTs have rapidly gone mainstream. Artists, collectors, and young generation of crypto newbies have embraced them. So too have professional sports leagues, entertainment conglomerates, and the galaxy of celebrities. The family of John Lennon, for example, recently announced an NFT drop. Even so, Dap Radar's Herrera warns that the NFT market is a bit frothy and, like all markets, will face a reckoning. Quote, it's probable that we will see a correction phase where the floor of most collections might go down a bit, he said. That, of course, will be the big test on whether NFTs truly do constitute an asset class that stands apart from the rest of the blockchain technology and not just a pop culture fad that fizzles out. Thanks very much for that, Adrian. Today's featured story is an opinion piece from Coindesk's Daniel Kuhn. This story is entitled, Calling a Hack and Exploit Minimizes Human Error. Last week, someone or something exploited a security vulnerability on Wormhole, a tool that allows users to swap assets between Ethereum and a number of blockchains. It resulted in the loss of 120,000 wrapped Ether, or WETH, worth about $321 million on the platform at the time. 
This is the second largest decentralized finance or DeFi attack to date, according to Rect's leaderboard, in an industry where security exploits are fairly common and part of a user's risk curve. There's a whole business model made out of code reviews, a lexicon of industry-specific jargon to explain what's going on, and something of a playbook to follow if and when hacks inevitably occur. Wormhole, apart from catching and patching this bug earlier, has seemingly tried to do the right thing. They shut down the platform to prevent further losses, notified the public of what they know, and announced jump trading is on the line to replenish the stolen coins. Furthermore, in a move that's become increasingly common, the Wormhole deployer has posted an open message to the exploiter on Ethereum offering them a quote, white hat agreement, end quote, and $10 million for an explanation of the attack in exchange for the stolen funds. Excuse the simile, but this is like waiting for a magician to pull a rabbit from a top hat. The world is waiting to see whether they're dealing with a white or black hat hacker, terms meant to explain a hacker's motivations. The reality, though, is likely a little bit more gray. Quote, Black hat hackers are criminals who break into computer networks with malicious intent. That's according to Kaspersky's security experts. They may use malware, steal passwords, or exploit code as it's written for self-serving or maybe ideological reasons. White hats, on the other hand, are ethical hackers or good hackers and are described as the antithesis. Quote, they exploit computer systems or networks to identify their security flaws so they can make recommendations for improvement, the analysts write. Due to the way crypto networks are designed, it's often unclear who it is you're dealing with. Users exist as long strings of alphanumeric gibberish, and their past is reduced to a series of transactions connected to their address. This system has some benefits. Even if platforms don't know their customers, all transactions are recorded on-chain, and anyone can verify which coin belongs to whom. DeFi exploits are often dead ends. Exchanges, used as on- and off-ramps to and from the crypto economy, can blacklist stolen funds, reducing that token's utility and value to nothing. That may explain why some of the most prominent exploits see masterminds return their bounties. For instance, last August, the Poly Network hacker, as they came to be referred, returned nearly all of the $610 million worth of stolen crypto assets and asked for people to see their exploit as a white hat hack meant to bring awareness to a disastrous bug. This might be rewriting history, a post hoc explanation for an attack that was ultimately poorly executed, and it might be happening again. We don't know the wormhole exploiter's motivations, but the Bridges team seems to be asking that they eat the bug in exchange for a tidy $10 million. In a sense, the system is set up in an attacker's favor. When someone uses the code as it's written, but not as intended, technologists will refer to that as an exploit. Code is given precedence above human actions so that human errors, like fat fingering a bad transaction or missing a gaping security hole, are explained as a natural process of the code. An attack is only elevated to the level of a hack when the code is rewritten or broken. This is an important technological distinction, even though the terms likely stem from the gaming industry where hacking a game to gain an unfair advantage is often frowned upon, whereas exploits or finding loopholes in the game are boasted about. It's probably fair to say this recent attack wasn't part of the wormhole deployer's plans or motivations. A mistake in the code was seemingly made or not found, and solutions are being worked out. It might point to the fundamental security limits of bridges, as Ethereum co-creator Vitalik Buterin noted in a prescient blog post a few weeks ago. The attacker conducted a series of transactions so that the wormhole smart contract confused falsely minted wrapped ETH with the real stuff. We'll link to the full breakdown in these show notes. It was a loophole that someone with deep knowledge and a lot of time was able to exploit. Some people will consider this attack a contribution to the overall body of knowledge about crypto. Some have even said that this process may ultimately lead to unhackable code, as every smart contract is a potential multi-million dollar bug bounty. So it's worth asking if the language crypto uses to explain its myriad vulnerabilities, risks stacked on top of risks, contributes to the ongoing business made out of hacks. 
or if sometimes we're pulling definitions from hats. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. This episode was edited by Adrian Blust, and we'll be back tomorrow with another news roundup. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. 